0: that we as a culture are, are teaching ourselves or our children you know, what we're going to say yes and no to. A lot of really ecstatic pleasures are linked interestingly sort of with that. I guess my point is right right now and I think the next 15 or 20 years are going to be a very scary and, and sort of very exciting time when we have to sort of reevaluate our relationship to fun and pleasure and entertainment because it's going to get so good and so high pressure that we're gonna to have to forge some kind of, of attitude toward it that lets us live. The first leading cause of death among teenagers is suicide. Drug addiction, uh, sexual addiction, gambling addiction in this country is epidemic. The divorce rate is sky high. I mean, people in this country are lost and wandering around and looking to give themselves away to something that will maybe love them back as much as they love it. I know that in certain moods, um, when I'm tired, or when I'm in some sort of pain, I want kind of infantile pleasures. I want to sit and receive pleasure without having to give anything or do anything. The question I think is is, is sort of an individual one is that what level of pain do we need to reach before we begin, begin to be willing to undertake the work of that reevaluation? This is a very long and fairly difficult book that I also wanted not to be a standard kind of avant-garde book, most of which right now I admire as a writer, but just aren't very much fun to read. So I wanted it to be both long and difficult, but also to be fun enough, you know, so the reader wouldn't throw it at the wall on page 100. And I realized that sets up certain ironies since the book itself is about entertainment.
1: David Foster Wallace. From a conversation we had with him nearly 20 years ago, a lot has happened since then. Most tragically, his suicide seven years ago at age 46. And today he's probably even more famous than he was then. There's a whole cult of DFW. The TV show Parks and Recreation did an episode that was an homage to him. The Simpsons based an episode on one of his essays. And then there's the new movie about him. But what is it about his work that continues to inspire such devotion? Steve Paulson asked Stephen Byrne, the scholar who's editing Wallace's letters.
2: Stephen, I can't think of any other contemporary novelist who would become a subject of a big Hollywood film. How do you explain the continuing fascination with David Foster Wallace?
3: Well, I think there are probably two reasons why Wallace has an unusual level of fame. First of all, I I think that unlike a lot of other writers, there's something about Wallace's work that requires more than usual, readerly devotion. If you sit down with infinite jest, you can't sort of read just a chapter or two in a busy waiting room and expect to maintain the thread of it.
2: You, you almost have to be a, a true fan to read his, to read his fiction, at least.
3: It inspires that, yeah. It requires it and it inspires it.
2: Now, you said there's another reason why he's so famous.
3: I think there's a sense in which Wallace always stood for something larger than just his writing. When he published his first book, The Broom of the System, he pitched it to his agent in terms of a growing interest in very young writers, and he was in his 20s. And as he goes on through his career, Infinite Jest, obviously by sheer scale, it attracted a lot of attention that's, again, separate from what's in the book itself, the fact of the book, the size of the book began to attract attention.
2: Well, I mean, there are a lot of people who know this book, Infinite Jest, who've never read it, but they know yeah. about it, and they, they're kind of fascinated by the figure of David Foster Wallace. I mean, he's mm. he somehow became kind of an, a cultural icon and more than just a famous writer.
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he has a global reach as well that seems almost unparalleled. Um, there was a book published in Finland just this year called, What Does David Foster Wallace Mean?, um, (laughs) and I was in Illinois earlier this year.
2: Where Wallace Uh, grew up.
3: Yeah, where Wallace grew up, I was in in Bloomington Normal, where he was an English professor for many years, and it turned out that there are Italians who organize sort of tour groups to come on a kind of pilgrimage to see scenes from Wallace's life. Wallace does seem to have a magnetic attraction, a certain gravity to him that the other riders don't.
2: Are you part of the Wallace fan club?
3: Um, <laughs> I don't know. I'm 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 not part of any <laughs> online groups um, or anything like that. Let me put it another
2: way: Are you a Wallace obsessive?
3: You know, I.